progress. Yeah. It's in progress. I don't even have our music up. Oh my God, it's been too long. Sorry. Balls, a supernatural podcast with Lizzie and Missy. Hi, Liz. Hi, Miss. What's up? Just eating a breakfast sandwich. What about you? Uh, I have my coffee and I have a Nature's Bakery Raspberry Fig Bar. Ooh, I have my tea and uh, so does my Tamagotchi because that's what he drinks when he first wakes up. Wait, what? Yeah, uh, my co-worker got me a Demon Slayer Tamagotchi. What? Um, so you start as like a low-level Demon Slayer core person and then it has a chance to turn into Tanjiro, Zenitsu, or Inosuke, which I got Inosuke because apparently I didn't take very good care of him. Um, I didn't know that they they made a comeback. Uh, apparently in the Demon Slayer anime world they have Bandai, I guess. Um, and then you have a chance to get another character if you don't get one of those three. And you could get a Hashira, depending on how well you do in the game. So like, you have to make sure that a demon doesn't kill them. And you have to train them. And you have to feed them. And then what? they sleep, so you turn their light off. That's so much pressure. It sits next to me while I work. So I make <laughs> sure he doesn't die. <laughs> We're not going to let this one die. Oh, no, because Inosuke is my favorite character. And I was like, ooh, I can get Inosuke. And then I thought I took too good a care of him. Because if you take good care of him and you're good at games, you could get Tanjiro. If you take good care of them and they're not good at games you can get Zenitsu but apparently if you don't take good care of them and you're good at games you get Inosuke and I was like oh I've been feeding him way too much and like making sure he's okay and then I woke up and I was like it's Inosuke guess I didn't take his howl and then I got nervous about how good I actually have to take care of my Tamagotchi to get anyone else but he's been living for about a month now you're like I thought I did such a good job turns out not really (laughs) I mean I did just not to the level I thought but like I said, he's been kicking it for about a month now, and he hasn't died. My coworker, her, she killed hers. Oh, man. I never had one of my own, but I always, like, took people's at school. Nice. I had a, I think I had a Tamagotchi. I never had a Furby. Those things freaked me out. F no on the Furby. That's, they are scary. No one needs a Furby in their life. Nobody. My friend had one, and it literally lived in her closet. Oh, that's and great. every time we opened the door, it would be like, Aah. Yeah. That's frightening. That mm-hmm. is nightmares. That's why it lived in her closet. Even if you took the batteries out, I think the damn thing would still work. <laughs> the eyes would just flutter open. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God, I got chills. <laughs> so this episode, we are talking season four, episode 12, Chris Angel's a douchebag, which I... came, out, <laughs> came out January 22nd, 2009, and takes place in Sioux City, Iowa. Not to be confused with Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I know. When I first saw it and was writing it, I was like, weren't we just? No, wait. Nope. Totally different place. (laughs) Sue everything. Suez Canal. That's the only other thing I knew that had Sue in it. Do you want a plot? I can give you a plot. I would love a good plot. I need a sip of my, my coffee, though. Sam and Dean attend a magician's convention in Sioux City, Iowa, where it seems that real magic is being performed. Their investigation leads them to Charlie, Jay, and Vernon, three friends who are famous magicians in their day, but have now been replaced by flashier, younger magicians. Jay's despair over this drives him to perform numerous tricks on stage that would have killed him, and yet he comes out unscathed, while the magicians who had irritated the three older men die in mysterious ways reflective of the trick at the same time. 
Sam and Dean suspect that Jay is a witch and go after him, but he is innocent. After Charlie is the next victim of the death tricks, Jay realizes that Vernon must be the one responsible and agrees to help Sam and Dean flush him out. However, Vernon is also innocent. The real witch is Charlie, who has faked his death and restored his youth. He had been protecting Jay because he regards Jay and Vernon as true friends and offers to grant them both eternal youth and immortality as well. Jay refuses the offer and uses a trick to kill him for good in order to save Sam and Dean's lives. However, with Charlie dead and Vernon refusing to speak to him, he is left sad, bitter, and alone. Seeing this, Sam finally agrees to a proposition Ruby had made earlier in the episode to rejoin her in hunting Lilith and practicing his powers, despite the fact that he has strong reservations against one of the unrevealed methods they are using because he doesn't want to spend the rest of his life hunting. That's not a good reason. No, that's not. Mm-mm. No. Also, two thoughts in this episode. One, am I the only person who thought Vance kind of looked like Kenneth Branagh? I don't know who that is. Okay, so if you saw him, you would know who he is. He um, he does a lot of period pieces. He was married to Emma Thompson for a while. Um, he was in The Murder in the Orient Express and Do One. He was oh, in okay. Thor. He was in, um, oh my goodness, he was in Harry Potter. I see his picture now. He was very big into like Shakespeare and classic literature in the beginning. So like Hamlet, Henry IV, Much Ado About Nothing. Oh, he's a sir. Yes. Yes, he is. Um, but he was Lockhart in Harry Potter. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good Roy Lockhart. Yes. Uh, which is, had to have been weird because that wasn't, he was not married to Emma Thompson then. And obviously she was Trelawney. Um, and two, young Charlie Doe. <laughs> what about him? He was, a, he was a handsome looking guy. I don't think that's what he looked like when... He was growing up, but that's what he looks like now. I have a, I have a fun tilly bit about the actor who played him. Good. I'm going to make you wait it. for it. Good. He deserves it. Uh, I took a I took a douchebag count in this episode. Okay. <laughs> they only say it uh, seven times. I mean, I feel like seven times is enough to part make it part of the title. It is a lot, but I feel like they could have they could have gone for ten. You know, a nice even number. Ooh, I think I accidentally stumbled upon your tiddly bit in searching for him. Oh. <laughs> Smart. That's the smartest thing anybody's ever done. Well, hold on to that, Liz. Let's talk about this episode. What are your feelings, thoughts? I liked this episode. I thought it was very true to, like, the magician world. And it was very sad to see, like, what happens to people who are good at what they do who get pushed aside for flashier things it's the same thing happening with technology today like you don't have people with talent doing things you have people with followers doing things right not because they necessarily have the talent to do something not to get really real serious in this episode but not necessarily that they have the talent to do these things or that they have the looks to do these things but just because people find them attractive or because they have a large following or because they're pushing out x amount of videos and the stuff every day influencers i mean the big one being um the one girl who was like hired by UFC to be an anchor or sports center. She's like, I studied for three months to do this. And broadcasters and journalists came out of the woodworks to be like, okay, so you'll hire somebody that's an influencer with like literally no background, but us who can't get a job, you push us aside with the actual background and the degrees to do it. Cool. She worked at it for three months. She tweeted at it. Oh my God. Oh my, if I was a broadcaster, yeah, I'd be pissed too. Are you kidding me? I mean, me? I went to school for journalism with a minor in broadcasting. Yeah. 
Wow. And it was, I think mainly it was the fact that she was like, I studied for three months in broadcasting. Uh, it was okay. Addison Ray, UFC reporter. Three months. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Cause people started calling her out after she landed a UFC reporter gig and she ended up being switched out and she posted like, you all got me fired. Wait, how do because I know her? She's a TikTok person. She's yeah. one of the TikTok dancer girls. Oh. But she was called out by journalists and broadcasters when she posted and they were like, okay, so you're going to hire somebody that doesn't have a background at all or the qualifications because they're an influencer. Yeah. It's getting a little out of control. It's getting wild. Wait, she's going to be in, he's all that. Oh yeah. She's, yeah, she's an actress now. And that. if you're not yeah, an okay. actress, okay. An actress. yeah, she's going to create, she's going to create a prom <laughs> king from the bad boy. Wait, what? <laughs> I can't. Is this on? Is this on Netflix? Where where can I watch this horrible thing? Probably like. Oh my goodness. Okay, so there's gonna be a he's all that. Yeah. He's a total disaster, weird, antisocial. <laughs> so me and my friends growing up. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much that would have been me. And yet somehow I got on prom court, which was weird. Not prom court, homecoming court. Oh, look at you. Yeah, it was real weird. It was like me and all like the popular kids. And I didn't want my boyfriend at the time who was in band because we also had to be guards. So, like I had to switch out from the halftime show because we had to come out. Uh-huh. And so I asked my brother's friend, Max, to go as like my homecoming court date. Your escort. Yeah. And he brought me like a bunch of like beautiful lilies. Oh, they- oh, look at that. I was like, get it, Max. Oh. And then everyone's in like these cute like floral pastel like flowy dresses and stuff. And there's me in literally a lacy like corset hot topic top with like my trip jacket, black dress pants. Yes. <laughs> it was the most stark difference. And I was like, I don't even know if this is a joke, but I'm gonna take it literal and we live it. I'm gonna do me. My friend Abby was homecoming queen. She was the choir queen. Ooh. But yeah, this this episode was really sad because you have a guy who's very good at his job who knew the glory days and obviously you hear about the glory days. Yeah. Who's literally willing to die because the world isn't the way that it used to be. Instead oh my of seeing God. it. That was and so has, sad. He literally is a man that has lost everything. Yeah. It was so sad when he wanted to do the the death whatever table thing. He's like, I was going to kill myself. It's like, no, Barry Boswick, no. And then at the same time, and then he goes, okay, well, that didn't work. Guess I'll hang myself. Yeah, I'm going to try every one. Now I'm going to drown myself. Like, how much, how many times can I fight death, beat death, uh, without realizing what's going on, obviously. Yeah. So you think Charlie, Charlie died so he would just stop doing it? Is that Charlie's purpose? I think that was. Like he didn't want to keep watching him do those things. So he's like, well, if I die, maybe he'll stop. I think so, because it was hitting way closer to home. Whereas like, obviously killing Vance, who's just a douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, oh crap. What was Chris Angel wannabes? Jeb. Jeb Dexter. What a name. Um, Jeb Dexter. <laughs> Those are just kind of competition. They're the new kids. Yeah. They're what the face of magic is now, not what magic is. I mean, I don't think that was as much of a, as like your best friend dying. Right. From magic in like the same way 
Yeah. Oh, well, we're, we found out that 34 seals have been broken. Yeah, we're just moving right along. That was quick. Quick we're, seal breakage. We're not even trying anymore. No, we're just, you blink and a seal is broken. Yeah, over half the seals. Well, okay. <laughs> yes. Maybe we we're, should take this seriously now. We're now know. over halfway to, like, <laughs> Lucifer coming out. Because there are 66. And King Ruby has to show her ugly mug in this episode. Ruby. Ruby. Oh, I re- <laughs> One of my notes was when Jeb Dexter was doing his card trick. He was doing all that. I don't, I don't even remember what he did. But I put all of that for a card trick. He looked like he was going to poop. <laughs> <laughs> he did. When he was doing his, like, exorcism thing. Yeah, to, put, to throw it into the window. Which was cool if he didn't just, like, church it up. Yeah. Yeah, it, it didn't need all the... The exorcism? Pooping. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he definitely didn't need that. And honestly, I don't think Jeb would be such a horrible person if he was more of a considerate person, which I think you have a problem with, like, a lot of people who get real famous for how they look and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because, like, he didn't even – here he is, like, if he was just sincere and actually really enjoyed magic and not the attention that came from it, he would have known who Jay was and he would have actually appreciated having a conversation with him, not, like, fucking up his name and not really caring what's going on. Right. Do you think there was a time, though, that Jeb was like that? Like when he was younger? Probably when he was a kid. I mean, unless he just got into magic strictly for show and importance. He saw saw Chris Angel and he's like, I could do that shit. Yeah, and I can do it better. Um, I can wear more bad makeup. But he could have very well been like the kid that watched Siegfried and Roy and all the others being like, wow, this is so cool. Because yeah, they had a stage show, like some people that was flashier. But also like you had that sleight of hand and you had kids going to magic shops and getting boxes and doing tricks for their friends and like their moms. Like, I feel like that could have been Jeb at some point. And then maybe he saw Chris Angel was like, you know what? This is the way to go. Yeah. This is the hot new thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fucking Chris Angel. I went through a Chris Angel phase. Very brief. Okay. He was like the bad boy of magic. <laughs> I'm just like, uh-huh, okay. But Josh liked magic, my brother. Oh, that's cool. Growing up. So I like magic. I watch like on like the Penn and Teller thing and yeah. whenever they have magicians on like America's Got Talent. Like it's it's crazy the things that they can do. It takes a lot of talent and it takes a lot of yeah. hand eye coordination and dexterity and mm-hmm. It's like to be a good magician takes a lot. I always, whenever they do the box thing, when they put them in the box and they cut them in half or whatever, that always, like, I know how they do it now, but like, always, it still intrigues me. Like, you cut that person in half. Oh my God, what happened? When I was at the gym, they were showing two and a half men. And I guess it was Jake's 11th birthday. And he was like really big into magic. So at one point he was trying to do like the ring trick and he was doing a card trick and he was messing it up and he messed up the ring trick. And then at one point he did like a, um, like a curtain trick where he's like, he'd lift up the curtain and like one of her legs would be gone. (laughs) Obviously she's lifting it up and then he'd lower it down and he'd lift it up again. And then the other one would be gone. And obviously there's a table behind her because he'd lift it up again and now both the legs are gone and it looks like he's floating. (laughs) Oh my god, her legs are gone. Well, the funniest part is, I guess, uh, I don't watch Two and a Half Men too much. Not Charlie, but the other, Alan. Okay. Um, And that's literally only because I watched it yesterday. He's ducky to me. His mother came back, and obviously she was intoxicated because all she does is really drink in the series. (laughs) I'm guessing, because she was highly intoxicated the entire episode. 
but she came out of like the kitchen and she's like, oh my God, her legs are gone. <laughs> that clown has no legs. Cause she was dressed like a clown cause she came from a clown wedding. I don't, it was a weird episode. I just stumbled upon it when I was running because I need something to kind of look at when I'm running. Yeah. Because when I'm doing the leg machine, I started watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which is an anime, which I found out is apparently a questionable thing you should be watching at the gym. (laughs) That's not the norm. Uh, If any of the listeners watch anime and they know JoJo, they know that it's a very interesting anime. Um, because it was made to make fun of anime so it's really over the top in a lot of things Um, and like the last episode everybody's like super muscular so I was like oh this would be great to watch as like gym things because it's kind of fits the gym because like all these guys are like highly muscular it's fine is it gonna motivate you at the gym uh not me (laughs) so let me see if I can find a picture of Jojo and Caesar because (laughs) It's really over the top. And then at one point, the pillar men who are just like jacked and stacked come out of nowhere, but they're wearing basically nothing. Oh. Yeah. Um, okay. So I was just like, sorry, friend. I hope you really don't need like the Stairmaster next to me. <laughs> I'm pretty sure somebody saw what I was watching and had to go like text their friend. <laughs> like, look what I saw this girl watching at the gym. Oh, she's fucking watching it at the gym, man. It's who so does weird. that? me i do that obviously well because my thought is like I, it's 20 the episodes are about oh no my sword man is coming for me it's okay Adosuke still has his swords so he won't fight me oh tom um tamagotchi break <laughs> and i'm like i can't tell if it's a demon if he needs fed if there's a mission i have to check on my dude we need um, help but jojo is like 23 minutes so my thought is i can do like 23 minutes on the stairs and I'm not focusing on it. There you go. Yeah, when I would do, like, the treadmill, I'd have to watch the TV. Yeah, because, like, I could do music. That's not a problem. Uh, this is Caesar and JoJo, now that we're completely off subject. That never happens. Not us. We, we're focused all the time. Laser focus. Nothing yeah. breaks it. Uh-huh. I literally sent my friend a thing. I was like, I did a thing. I did and a I- thing. Because my coworker, who I just got into anime, is also now into cosplay. Oh, look at those. Look at those guys. Yeah, okay. So that's the dark-haired one is Jojo or Joseph Joestar. And then the blonde one is Caesar. Oh, okay. And I love Caesar. He's potentially my favorite. Jojo took a while to grow on me because he was really annoying in the first part of this. But now that he's been with Caesar, it makes it better. But, like, yeah, see, like, how muscular they are? All the guys are jacked yeah. and stacked like that. Oh, okay. All of them in the series. And, like, the Pillar Men are exponentially worse with very little clothing. <laughs> um, so apparently it's a questionable thing to watch at the gym. But I okay. like watching, like, all my other animes on the TV because it makes more sense. JoJo yeah. I can watch on a smaller screen. Uh, but my coworker messaged me and goes, I got my Zenitsu cosplays. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so awesome. I can't wait. We can make videos. We can go. We're going to go through Taylor's drive-thru and surprise her. And then I was like, fuck, if we're going to do this, like legit do this, I have all of Inosuke, including his swords, except for his boar mask, because I borrowed somebody's at Colossal Con. Oh. So I bought one yesterday. Oh, dear. <laughs> was that around the same time you were like, I think I need Dean's amulet? Yeah, somebody's like, going to yeah, be, I really, hope, like, I really hope the Amazon guy goes, I don't know who this person is, but I question a lot of things because I have like a black long like turtleneck dress coming. Dean's amulet and a boar head. <laughs> oh my goodness. 
which ironically the dress fits in with cosplay because it's the base for Sypha from Castlevania. But the boarhead, the amulet, they're either like, this person is doing some like hoodoo voodoo in the backwoods somewhere at night, Riverdale style, or <laughs> we got a questionable like Lord of the Flies situation. I don't understand what's happening in this house and I'm afraid. Oh my goodness. Speaking of Riverdale, it's coming back soon. August 11th, Riverdale comes back. I know. I like to make my Amazon deliveries as questionable as possible. I'm proud of you. Keep I'm like, up. what What would be interesting? I think the last one was like a My Hero Academia crop top and short set, a maid outfit, and a pink wig with like dark roots. I'm sure they have seen weirder things at the Amazon. I'm just saying. Just saying. I have, I have no doubt. Zero <laughs> doubts. Uh, was there anything else about this episode? Uh, the only other takeaway I had was like, holy fuck, some of those tricks that Jay were doing, like, dark. Yeah. Like, the, the table of death? Yeah. Oh, what? No. Why is that something you would even try when you were younger? Like, mm-mm. And obviously that table didn't have retractable nails. Yeah. So why was that a thing? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It really, it really hurt me for Jay. I felt for Jay. But then we left him worse than, than when we found him. I know. They already took a broken man and they made him worse. How do you yeah. do that? He already Way to go, the- Sam and Dean. <sighs> You're not making it any better. Well, Sam's going to try by getting with Bruby again. Oh, my God. No. Don't do it. But, yeah, that's, that's, those are my takeaways. This episode was just really sad. It was sad. It was just really sad. How many seals do you think were broken in this episode? Oh. <laughs> oh, no, we're already at, at 34 point, right now i'm just curious point, like probably 10 i'm going with 10 i'm just i'm curious like in the span of an episode of them doing a hunting <laughs> trip how many seals do you think were broken by them doing literally diddly squat 75 we went over the limit we're over the limit right now it does not compute exactly <laughs> error 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 you want some tiddly bits yes let's dive on into the tiddly bits Dive on into the tittle. The tittle dive. <laughs> what? <laughs> Deep dive into the tittle. Uh, the name of this episode, Chris Angel is a douchebag, is referring to Chris Angel. Chris with two S's, by the way. C-R-I-S-S. Yes. Uh, a real-life illusionist in the basis of the character Jeb Dexter. Jeb even mentions that Angels in Vegas was Cirque du Soleil. Like, he was so jelly. It's totes jelly of the Chris angel he just wishes he was that cool true i could see dean like young young dean like around the age of losing his mother being like really into to magic probably wasn't sam the magician though Did yeah we find sam, out was, sam the was the one that magic? was the one that was into magic dean would be like low-key into magic like he wouldn't want anybody to know that's how i feel like he was he was probably into it before sam could remember and then was just like no yeah i have to be the bad boy now i'm I, i'm that chris angel when dean gives his name as federal as a federal agent he is agent ulrich lars ulrich is the drummer of metallica in case you didn't know uh apparently i i meant to to really like focus on this tiddly bit and i forgot they tell me that the impala is not seen in this episode i remember one time they said that before and i proved them wrong um but they but but the imdb people are telling me that the impala is not in this episode I don't remember seeing it, but I don't know. Uh, no, because they were walking on the street. Yeah. 
Because that was the only that would be the only time that I would think that they would get out of their car that I think we saw like a transition of them moving somewhere that they weren't already in a building. And then Dean was outside the door at that club when you went to go see the chief. But I don't remember seeing it there either. So maybe it's not. Maybe they were right. Maybe they're right this time. This episode pays wonderful homage to the great sleight of hand performers of the 20th century. Uh, Charlie Miller, Di Vernon, and Ricky Jay. The latter still tours and was mentored by the former. So Ricky Jay still tours and was mentored by Charlie Miller. Barry Boswick's character, Jay, performs his trick, The Table of Death, behind an illuminated curtain showing only his silhouette lying down. This is an allusion to the most famous role he played as Brad Majors in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, in which his character is seduced by Dr. Frank Footer on a bed behind a curtain. I love Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> and I always, always forget that he played Brad. Yep. Well, Barry. But looking at him, he still looks like him. The scene where Dean goes to 426 Bleecker Street and meets the chief, which was, it was weird. What's your safe word i wonder what it was pie alakazam <laughs> abracadabra uh, this is an homage to the scene from police academy where steve gutenberg misdirects some cops looking for the cool party and sends them to a gay leather bar called the blue oyster bar hmm. and if talking about steve gutenberg once wasn't enough for you two tiddly bits which i titled more gutenberg uh, Dean says, not so fast. I ain't Gutenberg and this ain't Cocoon. Immortality, that's a neat trick. A Cocoon was a 1985 film starring or featuring, excuse me, Steve Gutenberg, where alien cocoons impart youth to residents of a retirement home. Hmm. All the Gutenberg today. All the Gutenberg. Uh, Dean talks about uh, the problem with the snake is that its head has a thousand heads evil bitches just keep piling out of the volkswagen uh this could be a reference to charles manson who traveled with a group of murderous women in a volkswagen van one guy tex avery tex avery why do i know that name nope just kidding not oh. tex avery tex avery oh. was an animator that's why you know that name oh, okay i'm tex, like that's, um, i'm like that sounds so familiar to me tex watson oh, okay tex watson who's actually charles denton Char- Charlie Denton. He was the uh, like only guy that really went around with Manson. Yeah. Oh, his one dude. Yeah, one token guy. It's my one dude. A young Charlie tells his friends he's been around long enough to show for Barnum. He is referring to P.T. Barnum, an entertainer active in the mid-1800s. That makes Charlie at least 190 years old at the time of this episode. Looks good, Charlie. You're looking good for 190. He's looking real good. Yeah. He's also doing like real upkeep on the scar. John Rubenstein, who plays Charlie in this episode, is the father of Michael Weston, who plays younger Charlie in this episode. That's what I stumbled upon when I was looking up that actor. Yeah. And I was like, that's smart. That's really smart. I mean, that's like literally a step away from, maybe you don't have to use makeup. You already know they look alike. Right. Genius. Why don't they do Mm -hmm. that more often? Michael Weston, who plays young Charlie, uh, will later go on to star as the up-and-coming magician Harry Houdini in Houdini and Doyle. In that show, uh, Harry Houdini is a skeptic and investigates strange cases with his believer-slash-partner, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. I said Conan. Arthur Conan Doyle. Conan. Conan the Barbarian. That is the last of my bits. All right. Of tittle. 
so just a couple of things I wanted to touch on. So first off, my uh, resources are library.sydney.edu, the American Museum of Magic, Britannica, theatermagic.com, historicmysteries.com, and wogh.org. So in this episode, they talk about a grimoire. And a grimoire, according to Merriam-Webster, is a magician's manual for invoking demons or the spirits of the dead. It comes from the old French word grammaire uh, or grammar or grammar book and grammar is a fixed fixed set of symbols and their incorporation to produce sentences and texts and they were very popular from about 1600 AD to about 1900 AD and some of the more popular grimoires are things like the black dragon and the red dragon uh, most of them are uh, latin texts uh, the necronomicon is considered a grimoire there's the grimoire of armdell uh which was translated by S.L. McGregor in 1980. There's Le Dragon Rouge and Le Dragon Rouge um, from 1521. And those are known as a black book, which is also known as a grand grimoire. And it was published in 1822, but it allegedly dates back to 1522. Whoa. Um, it is considered by some to be a source of black magic and demonic evocation. And then obviously there's the Le Dragon Noir or the Black Dragon. And it is a French text that is difficult to find, but it is also the companion volume to the Red Dragon. <laughs> um, and supposedly this one contains specific instructions on making demonic pacts, as well as diagrams of talismans. We don't need that. Nobody needs that. We don't need demonic pact books. Nope. We're cool. And we don't need Grimoire's. a companion to the and demonic Grimoire's textbook. <laughs> Grimoire started to become more popular and more mainstream. Uh, they use them in animes such as uh, magic-based animes, uh, the big one being Black Clover, where all of the wizards and witches are given grimoires upon becoming magic knights. The term magic comes from magia, the Greek word, or Latin magia, which derives from the Greek term majoi, um, which comes from, which is the name of a Magia, a Median tribe in Persia, and their religion, Zoroastrianism. Classic Zoroastrianism making appearance again. Zoroastrianism. Zoroastrianism. Uh, the Greek Roman, the Greco Romans believed magicians possessed arcane knowledge and the ability to channel power from deities or ancestors of the ancient pantheons. There's an Egyptian papyrus dating back to twenty-five thousand well, 2500 BCE, uh, about a magician, Dedi, or Didi, D-E-D-I. And it sounded like you said daddy, but like, Dedi. 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 Performs an animal decapitation trick for the pharaoh. What? That's not a trick. That's just a sacrifice. Um, basically, I guess, switching out the heads on an animal. Um, and this papyrus was found by British adventurer Henry. Um, wow, I really wish I could read my own writing. Oh, uh, Westcar, Henry Westcar in 1823. And supposedly uh, Daddy or Dee Dee um, would also make prophecies for the pharaoh. Oh, okay. It wasn't until the 21st century BCE that the cup and balls trick. <laughs> I told you there was a good one in my notes. That's a technical term. Found it everywhere in my research. Oh, we might have to... <laughs> I have to decide which one later. Uh, the 
cup and balls routine is found depicted on the tomb wall of Baket III, who is an Egyptian official and great chief of the Oryx Nome, which is the 16th Nome of Upper, Upper Egypt. And that tomb is located in the Beni Hassan Cemetery. And uh, there were also paintings along the walls that had two men sitting around a table with two inverted bowls, which is supposedly the cup and bowls or cup and balls trip, um, but also depicted jugglers as well as other leisure games. Juggling the cup and balls. <laughs> Juggling cup and balls. And uh, then there was the Acetabulari. The Acetabulari became known uh, as a group of magicians who performed the cup and balls routine in ancient Rome. And they performed for this group, not the, the actual people, because obviously huh, you're not living for 250 years. But uh, this group performed around ancient Rome uh, for 250 years, starting in 50 BCE. A very big fan of this group of magicians was Seneca the Younger. He actually wrote about his enjoyment of watching the routines. Is there Seneca the Older? Uh, I didn't. I could have looked that up, but I was just like, you know what? Let's live on Seneca the Younger. Sorry. <laughs> Let's see. Seneca the Younger is a Roman philosopher. He was known as Roman Stoic philosopher, statesman, dramatist, and satirist. Oh, okay. I just had flashbacks to Pliny whenever you said that. So there that. is Seneca the Elder, <laughs> Lucius Aeneas. Seneca the Elder, was also known less correctly as Seneca the Rhetorician. He oh. was a Roman writer born of wealthy equestrian families. Um, he wrote about reminiscing on the Roman school of rhetoric, including six books on it because he really liked it. Holy shit. That might be a little, that's a little overkill. It's a lot. Uh, in case you're curious, he also shares the same exact name, which is why he's the older, the elder and the younger because it's Lucius... Lucius Aeneas Seneca the Younger. Okay. And in case you're curious, uh, his father was Seneca the Elder. Oh, so like... he's like he's like a junior. Yeah, he's like okay. a junior. So the younger, but he has an elder brother. <laughs> oh, okay. Who is not Seneca the Younger? His name's John. Um, his uh... name is <laughs> Lucius Aeneas. So I guess that's where the the junior comes in because his older brother was Lucius Junius Gallio Aeneas. Oh my goodness. And then he hasn't, his po his nephew is the poet Lucan. So everybody's name is Lucius. It's um, just like your, your middle name's different. Yep. And a uh, classic Seneca, he was exiled to the <laughs> island of Corsica, <laughs> but allowed to return to become the tutor to Nero. Classic Seneca. Classic Seneca. <laughs> so just a couple of heavy hitters in the magic era, in the beginning of magic, making it popular. Uh, there was Isaac Fox. Um, and it's spelled like Guy Fox. Well, F-A-W-K-E-S. Okay. Um, he was an English showman who promoted his acts in 1720s um, on billboards and advertisements and actually claimed to have performed for King George II. Oh. There was no proof that he actually did, but he liked to say that he did. <laughs> um, he was very boisterous and very showy. And he ended up dying in 1932. So he was popular in like the 1720s, but then died 12 years later um there's G Wait, there's, you're gonna like this one did you did you say 1720s yeah and then he died you said then you say he died in the 19 okay i think you said 1932 i might have i was like how does that happen magic mm, yes <laughs> immortality until he died isn't that what we're trying charlie did it true all right um you're gonna like this one 
So one of the more famous ones that actually had a big hand later on in the creation of stage magic uh, is Jean Eugene Robert Houdin. Jean Eugene Robert Houdin. Yes. And he is known as the father of modern magic. He was born in 1805 in Blois, France. He was... (laughs) Sorry, that was just like, bleh. Blois. Where where were you born? Eh, Blois, France. Blois, France. Blois. It's just Um, there. He was mentored by Maulius, who was a doctor and local magician. This is where he learned sleight of hand, the fundamentals of magic, as well as hand-eye coordination. And he actually opened a theater for magic specifically in Paris in 1845. So that was like the first magic-specific theater. That's cool. Um, And what he actually ended up doing is where magic was performed in traveling shows and circuses around the way, and they would move from city to city and state to state. He transformed magic from something you would see at fairs to performances that people paid to see in specific places. That's cool. Um, Now, meanwhile, in London, there was John Henry Anderson, who in 1840 opened the New Strand Theater, where he performed as the Great Wizard of the North. Like the Wicked Witch of the West. Yes. Was he married he's, to he's like He's like the Gandalf of London. Okay. <laughs> I like it. Uh, so in 1905, almost more than 50 years later, 1905, uh, there were 20 magicians who met at Pinoli's restaurant in London, and they actually created a magic club that they entitled the Magic Circle. I want to be in the magic club. Well, you can. Oh, okay. If you wanted to. Uh, so they held their first meeting at a pub called the Green Man in Soho and later at St. George's Hall in Langham Place. Uh, it contained some of Britain's greatest magicians, including David Devont, and he actually became club president. And he actually had a key phrase that people knew all around called All Done With Kindness. And a lot of the club paraphernalia and posters actually carried his tagline, All Done With Kindness. And women were finally actually allowed to join the magic circle in 1991. Really? Yeah. Almost a hundred years later. Wow. Thanks. But thanks for quality fit all of the criteria in order to join. Oh, so I can't join is what you're telling me. (laughs) Um, Now there's not just the magic circle. There's actually a special group of exclusive members, which is limited to 300 members and they are known as the inner magic circle. Oh, And members of this actually must take an oath to not reveal any secrets, including their, this means that their motto is indulcilis privata loki, which means not apt to disclose any secrets. Any result would result in immediate expulsion from the group. You don't want to get kicked in our circle. You're going to get kicked out of the magic circle. The whole club. That's it. You're kicked out of the club. You can't reveal our secrets. Nope, nope, nope. Oh, Nikes. Um, so around this time, obviously, performances of magic became staples of Broadway theater, vaudeville, and music halls. It was really easy to move magical performances um, from theater to theater and also to translate them from theatrical venues to television specials later on. Um, but magical performances on television were also performed before a live audience. And obviously, they would start the performances with the fact that and reassurance that illusions are not obtained with visual effects. So that's why they had a live audience there to kind of prove that it isn't doctored in any way. Do you remember when David Copperfield like 
the plane he did the plane or whatever mm-hmm. was it a plane it yeah a plane. that was crazy so in the 19th century to early 20th century this was known as the golden age of magic and here are some of your golden age of magic boys Ooh, bring it on all right we have harry houdini who doesn't know that guy well it's funny because did you know jean eugene, eugene. robert houdin <laughs> because that's who houdini got his name from Gene so, Eugene. I'm glad he just kept the Houdini part and not the Gene Eugene. <laughs> well, so Harry Houdin was born Eric Weiss in Budapest, March 24th, 1874. Harry, he got from his childhood nickname, which was, his name's Eric, so they would call him Harry. Okay. So he took Harry. So that's how he got Harry. He got Houdini in homage to Robert Houdin, who he idolized in magic. Uh, he, began, he began performing in 1894, became famous for his escapage, escape magic, uh, mainly escaping handcuffs, and he died October 31st, 1926 from a ruptured appendix and complications dealing with it. On Halloween. On Halloween. Uh, next, we have Harry Keller. He was known as the Dean of American Magicians. Oh, and he the was dean. born The Dean. <laughs> um, born Heinrich Keller. Uh, July 11th, 1849, in Erie, PA. Oh, no way. Mm-hmm. That's cool. He became famous for playbills and advertisements featuring imps and devils, which gave magic a different feel. It gave Dark. it more of a... Darker mm-hmm. feel. Uh, his most popular illusion was the levitation of Princess Karnak, where he would supposedly make a woman levitate off of a table. Okay. And he died March 10th, 1922. Then there was Howard Thurston. He was born July 20th, 1869 in Columbus, Ohio. He was known as a card magician, but would later perform illusions later on. Um, He was big on using other people's illusions, such as the levitation of Princess Karnak. Uh, Oh, he didn't didn't have his own dealio? No, this is when you start seeing people being fascinated with other people's tricks, trying to recreate them and building on them. I got it. He performed for President Calvin Coolidge. Oh, no way. And he died April 13th, 1936. And then with last, we have Muscaline and Devont. And this was comprised of John Neville Muscaline and David Devont. Uh, they began in 1904 after Muscaline's partner, Cook, passed away. And Devont would go on to write Our Magic in 1911, which, be no- which became known as The Theory of Magic how it started, where it went, and how to keep going. Oh, interesting. And then obviously with the rise of the, you'll see like with magic and the history of magic, there's like this, oh, Anosuke needs tea. Tamagotchi break. Tamagotchi break. <laughs> uh, next time we record, I might have a different Tamagotchi. I don't know. We'll see if he makes it. Supposedly they only live about a month before they restart themselves. Okay. Uh, you'll see like this, rise and then a fall and then a rise and then a fall because you'll have this rise of magic and then witchcraft oh so then you had this decline of magic yeah uh, and then you had this rise and then you had spiritualism okay and then the need to disprove spiritualism so you had another dip and then obviously we saw it rise again in the late 20th to 21st centuries with David Copperfield, Lance Burton, Penn and Teller, James Randi, Chris Angel, Hans Klock, uh, Darren Brown, uh, and this more popularity of it coming back. 
and then last but not least, I had a list of what this station created as seven of history's most mystical magicians. Oh, most mystical. Some of which we've heard, some of which we haven't. So uh, one of them is Alexander Herman. He was known as uh, Herman the Great. <laughs> not because he's Alexander the Great. He was Herman the Great. I could see how you could get those two confused. Yes. So he actually comes from a family of magicians. Okay. His father was a magician. His older brother was a magician. So he followed in and kept going with it. He began, he was known for creating illusions on a grand scale. He was famous for his escape from Sing Sing act where he used body doubles to construct, to basically feign an escaped convict. Oh. So he would, he would pretend to escape and then like the convict would get shot and he'd still be alive. Um, well, isn't that just pleasant? Like I said, it's all escaping <laughs> death. And in the end, none of them did. Mm. So he actually performed for Queen Isabella II of Spain, President Abraham Lincoln, President Ulysses S. Grant, Sultan Abdul Aziz. And after his death, his wife, Adelaide, performed for 25 more years, becoming known as the Queen of Magic. Oh, whoa, look at you go, Adelaide. Get it, Adelaide. Damn. Um, obviously, we touched on John Neville Muscaline, but John Neville Muscaline actually also came from a family of magicians, uh, but they actually did magic as a family. So they were the Muscaline family, and uh, they were actually known for using deception to aid wartime efforts. Uh, so obviously, you have John Neville Muscaline, who uh, created the levitation trick. His son, Neville, was a magician, as well as Neville's son, Jasper. Um, but Jasper allegedly used his own deceptive magic uh for tricking nazis and helping the allied forces during world war ii really and supposedly uh, muscaline became known muscaline and his friends became known as the magic gang uh and they would create illusions to create fank tank and soldier movements to deceive nazi troops and they were eventually able to conceal important allied targets that's pretty cool i've never heard that before uh the craziest part is that this was all uh, used as a basis for a Benedict Cumberbatch movie. Really? Sherlock. Oh. Hmm. Um, Obviously, we talked about Harry Keller. He was known for levitation. He's the one from Erie, PA. Homeboy. Erie. That's my homeboy. My homeboy. Harry Houdini, the handcuff king. And just a quick quote from him is... uh, in which he would say in his own performances, as well his his book, Handcuff Secrets. Uh, <laughs> you will notice that some of these tricks are very simple. But remember, it is not the trick that is to be considered, but the style and manner in which it is presented. Mm. Uh, we mentioned Howard Thurston. But Handcuff Secrets sounds like it could be like the fourth book in the Christian Grey series. Yeah, no, it totally could be. Handcuff Secrets. Okay, sorry. Um, so he was the one that reused the levitation of Princess Karnak, which was brought to you by Harry Keller. Brought but to he was you also by. known <laughs> he was also known for levitating things. Okay. And for making things vanish. Oh. because uh, he came around around the same time that electricity was still a novelty in most homes. Uh-huh. Uh, so he was known for his ability to make uh, groups of people, pianos, lions, tigers, and even automobiles vanish. He made groups of people vanish? Huh. Okay. 
Then we have out of that golden age, we have Ricky Jay, who is known for sleight of hand and card tricks. Hey, Ricky. He began performing at the age of seven. Whoa. Okay. He was one of those that really liked magic. He was a big fan growing up of Alexander Herman and Howard Thurston. Um, one of his signature acts actually came from piercing watermelons with cards from across the stage. So Gambit style from X-Men. <laughs> uh, and then your boy, David Copperfield. My boy. Who was known for his elaborate televised stunts. Mm-hmm. Uh, such as surviving being thrown from Niagara Falls while chained. Uh, walking through the Great Wall of China and escaping from Alcatraz. Um, also making the Statue of Liberty disappear, which he did on live television in 1983. How did and, he do it? Uh, well, it turns out that the in-person audience, as well as the cameras, were on a platform that rotated just gradually and slow enough so that the statue became hidden behind one of the two pillars holding up a large curtain. Oh, snap! Well, now I am sad. And thanks to lighting, the statue just seems to kind of whoo, disappear. It went away! Um, and apparently he did this because he wanted to bring a side of patriotism to the people. He wanted to show, quote, how precious liberty is and how easily it can be lost. But it wasn't really lost. You just rotated us a couple inches. <laughs> he then said, I can show with magic how we take our freedom for granted. Oh, okay. Oh, he's being all political. So using, using magic for something other than entertainment. There you go, Copperfield. Um, but that's all I had. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about because I was like, well, I could do like the history of magic or I could do like grimoires or I could do like, so I figured out like the history of stage magic. Performance I like that. Magic. I like that. Uh, so next episode, we have After School Special, season four, episode 13. Yes! Dean in his short shorts. A little trip down memory lane. Short shorts. Who wears short shorts? Dean wears short shorts. <laughs> is this the whistle makes me their god yeah yes it does this little headband yes so all much things. fun all the things indeed so that's that's what we have to look forward to next time and next time we will hopefully be on point because i won't be having a mental breakdown it happens it's okay but uh so until then obviously we're still on twitter instagram and you can follow us on Facebook. You can send us a direct message. You can email us. All the fun things. And then I have to go buy a pie while I'm waiting for Dean's amulet to get delivered. You have to buy a pie? Yeah, it's about to get real rowdy on my TikTok. Oh. We had cocktails during the last Loki episode. Things were decided and not me deciding. My friend Aaron and my roommate Nicole decided. And now okay. I'm just like, yeah, actually, that's a good idea. So if you don't follow Liz on TikTok, you should now because yeah, well, there's going to be a pie involved. At some point, yeah. Right now, <laughs> it's just going to be a bunch of random cosplay anime. Like my friend and I are getting, like I said, we're getting real rowdy in cosplay on Sunday. I don't know what's going to happen. Okay. Well, make sure you go follow her. What is it? At uh, randomchibi13? Uh, I have to double check real fast. Because <laughs> I can't. One of them has no underscore. One of them is an underscore. Oh, okay. We want to make sure we, we get it correct. Uh, this is just random R-A-N-D-O-M-C-H-I-B-I-13. No underscore, thank God. There you go. Go follow. I'll be there. She's an influencer now. <laughs> <You don't. laughs> no, no, no. Definitely not. No. 
Until next time, kids. <laughs> I'm like, you normally say it. I didn't want to say it. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Balls, a supernatural podcast with Lizzie and Missy. If you want more, follow on Twitter and Instagram at SBNBallsPod or email SBNBallsPod at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe and follow Balls on your favorite streaming service.